All right, well, go ahead and be seated. All right, undoubtedly you're noticing that uh, something's a little different, right? We didn't do a scripture reading. And we're going to do that at the end of the study. And hopefully it is my desire that it will run together with the study. And you'll see why I say that in just a moment or as we uh, go through the study. Um, you know, so I had mentioned that we we're going to change it up a little bit this morning. One of the ushers heard me as I was speaking with Danny and, and telling him, hey, listen, this is what we're going to do uh, this morning. Instead of the front end doing our scripture reading, we're going to do it in the back end. One of the ushers says, oh, no, here he goes again. He's changing things up. And I thought to myself, you know, I, I go, you know, that's true. But he, here's a reality. And, and uh, I'm just going to mention this to you, you know. Sometimes we, we just want things so comfortable and so regimented. But I also believe that it's good that we learn how to uh, experience change. Because if we cannot experience change, then you're going to have a rough go of life. Because life is always changing. There's always challenges, right? And with that, uh, this morning I believe that the Scriptures are going to challenge us. Because as we know, uh, Jesus was there in Jerusalem celebrating the Feast of the Tabernacles. It was the last great feast that they would celebrate. And he would say some things. And the comments that he made were received by the people in such a way that uh, we're going to see that to a degree they needed to make a choice of what they were going to do with the comments they heard Jesus make. Thus the title for this morning. Make up your mind and don't have a divided heart. As is typical with the teachings that you receive from this pulpit, uh, more specifically from me, there are those times where I have us to examine the Word of God And as we examine the Word of God, I also seize the opportunity to have us examine ourselves. The Bible tells us that we should examine ourselves on occasion to see if we are truly in the faith. Not truly born again, but are we truly living out those things? And and you know what I'm going to say next, because I say this often. Am I truly, are you truly living out the instruction that you are receiving from God. And it's important that we understand that we would take that instruction that we receive and put it into practice because God does desire that whenever we experience change, whether it's positive or negative, that we would be content or satisfied with the change that God has brought to our lives. It's easy to receive the change when it's a blessing, when everything is run smoothly and it's comfortable and all of that, right? Again, and repeating myself, it's quite a different story when things change in a way that seem very negative. Yet, if we look at the Bible and we understand the Bible, we do know that all things work together for good for those that love God and are called according to what? His purpose. A perfect example this morning. I could have received what my brother Don, who I've known for quite some time, but I'm going to defriend him now. 
or unfriend him. But the, the perfect example is, I didn't, you know, I felt one way, and your guys are looking at me like, no, nah, that's not what we're feeling, like, get with it. And he had the boldness to say, no, nah, it's just you. Now, I could have just blown that off and said, oh, whatever, you know, I don't really care. But I go, is it me? Is it just me perceiving that there's something that's not right? Do I want it a particular way? And I'm, am I trying to read that into the people so they'll feel like I feel? And Don says, no way. Actually, Don didn't say it. God said it. And so God's listening to Don. No, it's him, man. You see, what I'm saying is there are those times when we need to understand that God allows certain things to occur in our lives to teach us, to challenge us, to help us to make a choice. I had to make a choice to either just ignore Don or acknowledge, hey, it's just me, you guys pray for me, and I'm going to pray for the service, and we're going to move on. Right? So I hope that what I share with us this morning is going to encourage you. Because I do believe that there are those times where we need to be careful that our heart does not become divided. That we would be careful that we not allow the world to dictate to us how we are to live our lives as a believer. How we are to approach things. When life has those challenges. Because these people here, as we're going to read in just a moment, would be challenged by God in the flesh. They would be challenged to make a decision concerning who Jesus claimed to be. There are those times in our lives when we come to that place when we are challenged to make a decision what I'm going to do with what I just heard or what I just read concerning what it means to be a child of God. Do I truly believe that God has all the answers for my life? And that's where we're going to be this morning. So again, picking it up at John chapter 7. Oh, by the way, the uh, servants meeting, I just I encourage you to come if you can make it in the prayer meeting. But we're going to be reading here in just a moment verses 37 once again. Now last week I was able to take us through verses 37 through 39, which obviously would mean that we would pick it up at verse 40. And I, was, and I am going to conclude with verse 44. Now in order for it to flow so that it might make some sense uh, for us this morning and why the title, I find it necessary to reread those verses that we studied last week. I won't go over that study, but nonetheless, I, I believe it needs to flow to keep it in context. Now, just to preface something that Jesus said in one of the Gospels, I believe is the Gospel of Matthew, he said this, and I'm not going to quote it, exactly like it's written in the scriptures, but the inference will be there. Jesus said, I didn't come to bring peace. I came with a sword. There will be those times when what I say and what I ask of people to do and the way that they will respond, it will bring what? Division. 
And then he goes on to say that there would be even division in families. Here there was going to be a division concerning who Jesus claimed to be. Now as I already mentioned, we know that he was there in Jerusalem, that is Jesus, along with some of his disciples and all the people that had come to celebrate this feast. So verse 37. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the Spirit, whom those believing in him would receive. For the Holy Spirit was not yet given because Jesus was not yet glorified. So what we see here is, and as we studied last Sunday, Jesus, there on the last day of the feast, openly makes this comment of anyone who might be thirsty, if they came to him, their thirst would be quenched they would be satisfied. So we did the teaching concerning that. Are we thirsty? Are we hungry? He's the answer. He's the one that quenches a thirsty soul. Now we know that we're not speaking about physical thirst, but a spiritual thirst. That which would bring resolve to possibly the emotions that we experience that sometimes seem difficult to handle, decisions we need to make that pertain to how I handle relationships or how I handle my relationship with Him. Jesus said, I am the way that you will be able to quench that thirst of wondering how you will do things. So He offers This water, this living water. So he's speaking about spiritual matters. So there would be a response, obviously, and that's what we are going to read here this morning. And that's where we are going to camp. That's, this is where we are going to focus, or I'm going to focus your attention, my attention to. And I hope that when we leave here this morning, that we will leave knowing that we cannot or should not, though at times we may have, we are not to have a divided heart. We need to make up our minds whether we are going to wholly, with a W, believe in the Holy One with an H. We're going to hopefully leave here understanding that if I don't have a a divided mind and a divided heart, I will always be completely satisfied according to the cup that God fills from which I am to drink of. But we need to make a choice whether we will drink or we will not drink. Not only unto salvation, but also and living out the way that the one in whom I say has saved me 
and the one whom instructs me will I drink from his cup? Or will I drink from the cup of the pleasures of this world and the wisdom of this world? I think that's a very important decision for you and I to make. From which cup do I choose to drink? One will leave you wanting, even though you drink quite a bit. The other you drink once, and it'll satisfy you not only to salvation, but to confidence and security and knowing that he, and only he, has the answer. But nonetheless, a decision has to be made because everyone has opinions, right? Don shared his opinion. Thank you, Don. I shared my opinion. He straightened me out. But he didn't straighten me out. He was drinking from the cup of the Holy Spirit that said, help your brother. He said, it's so important that we take those little simple illustrations and understand that God's in control and not man. And that's so crucial for you and I to understand, to appreciate, and to seek after. Because Jesus would say, Seek ye first the kingdom of God, and all these things shall what? Be added unto you. What things? Well, obviously not a Lamborghini or a Ferrari or whatever, and not a big house on the mountaintop. He's speaking about something that's more desirable than that which is temporal. And I think, I truly believe that our hearts yearn for that, whether we want to admit it or not. But the decision needs to be made when he speaks. God is speaking. God is always speaking. And he's waiting for a response. What we're going to read in just a moment is a response here. Some was positive, some was negative. Some fully understood, some not quite so. And so John the Apostle writes for us the struggle that was happening here. There were people with a divided heart. Verse 40. Therefore many from the crowd when they heard the saying said, Truly, this is the prophet. Already we can see that there were those that were indicating that they really felt that Jesus was the fulfillment of the prophet that Moses had spoke about. We know who Moses was, right? We know that he was used by God to deliver the Jewish people or uh, that nation out of the bondage there in Egypt. They had that wilderness experience. They built a temple where they could worship God and Moses became an intercessor or a mediator between the people and God. But he was going to go. He was going to pass. He knew that. And the people would still have a desire that someone would lead them. And thus, in Deuteronomy, Moses would say, Hey, listen, God is going to bring you another intercessor, another mediator, another prophet, much like myself, and you need to pay attention to him. And we see that written out in Deuteronomy 18.15, in case you just want to jot that down. I already kind of paraphrased it, but he, well, let me read it to you. It says, The Lord your God will raise up for you a prophet like me from your midst, 
from your brethren, him you shall hear. Now it's really interesting because as we read that, there was an also an account there on the Mount of Great Transfig- uh, Mount of Transfiguration, right? They heard a voice, and what did God say from heaven? Hey, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased. Listen to him. Later on, Paul would remind us that truly Jesus did become that mediator between God and man. Paul writes in Timothy, he says, there's only one mediator between God and man, and that is the man, Christ Jesus. Problem is here, in them declaring that he was just a prophet, they weren't declaring that they were going to listen to everything that Jesus said. Because later they begin to say, well, wait a minute, wasn't or isn't the Messiah supposed to come from Bethlehem and not Galilee? They had a divided heart. They couldn't make up their mind. But as we continue to read here, it says this, Others said, this is the Christ or the Son of God. This is the Messiah. But some said, will the Christ come out of Galilee? They really felt that he was to come, that is the Messiah, from Bethlehem. But they only recognized or acknowledged that Jesus Christ came from Nazareth, Nazareth rather, in the Galilee area. Then we read on, verse 42. Has not the scripture said that the Christ comes from the seed of David and from the town of Bethlehem where David was? Verse 43. So there was a division among the people because of Jesus. Now, some of them wanted to take him, and we, we know why. We'll get into that next week. But no one laid hands on him. So my focus, our focus, or what I believe the, that God wants me to share with us or desires for me to share with us is what we read there In verses 40, 41, and 43. And my hope is, or I believe that God's hope is, that he would remind us or bring to the surface, here's where it gets serious or dicey or however you want to say it, do you have a double mind? Am I double-minded? Is my heart being swayed by other things? Is there a division in the way that I live my life, in the way that I approach the Scriptures, in the way that I approach my relationship with God? I'm not saying that we need to become sanctimonious people, but I am saying that we are to pursue righteousness. And we need to be careful that we do not allow to be influenced by the wisdom of this world the traditions of this world, and the pleasures of this life. Some of us somewhat get it immediately or understand that immediately, and others do not. It takes time. Some people don't realize it until they come to that place of understanding that everything that they've been trying to fill their hearts with to satisfy have not done so. 
They may have a religious background or a spiritual type of upbringing, but they never really embraced what Jesus Christ had to say and what God continues to shout out to us. I'll give you an example that just came out. There's a big thing about it, not a big thing, but I just was made aware of it. Um, some of you have heard of the person I'm going to mention, and uh, he had a spiritual background, but got caught up in the pleasures of this world, had a very good uh, career, and now realizes that he was filling his heart, the void in his heart, with everything else but Jesus and the Word of God, though he had heard the Word of God. His name is Dennis Quaid. And right now he's sharing his testimony. He had a divided heart. And I do believe that there are many in the church today that have a divided heart. I'm not saying you're not born again. I'm not saying any, anything like that. But who guides your life? Who rules your life? Who is the one that is instructing? And is there a division in your heart? Because sometimes we want more of the pleasures of this world than we want the satisfying waters that come from the cup from heaven. Boy, it's quiet in here. And it's a good thing. And you see, because what's happening here is there are those times, there will be those times, and there will be, continue to be those days or those moments or those hours or those minutes or that instant second that you have to make a decision of what you're going to do with what you're faced with. Because you know whatever decision you might make is going to have an effect. So here what we see then is some were saying that he was the prophet. Others said he was the Christ. Some doubted where he came from. And verse 43 so there was a division among the people because of what Jesus said. So what can we learn from these verses? What, what am I focusing on? I don't think you have any doubt of where my, our focus should be, where my focus is right now. Are we divided? Have I truly made up my mind that I'll wholly follow Jesus Christ? I'll never completely be holy until I get to heaven. But that does not mean that I should not pursue righteousness and doing the right thing as it, as it is revealed to me through God's Word. Again, what my old phrase that I've been using for the last three or four weeks, this is where the rubber meets the road. This is where the trumpet blasts and we should not have a deaf ear. This is where the Holy Spirit is prompting and and tugging, and we should not withdraw. You see, the people understood what God had done, and we understand what God has done. 
But we need that reminder of who we are going to follow because of the influences that we have in the land that we live. And there's a perfect example I give it to us where not only do we see that there's a choice, but there's a proclamation. The people are given a choice of who they would follow. And the illustration is given to us in the book of Joshua. Joshua 24, verse 15. Now we all know who Joshua was, right? Yeshua, Joshua. He was the one that replaced Moses. He was the one that would just take care of the people. After they crossed the Jordan. After they came into the promised land. And you know what's interesting about this verse here is, is that many, possibly, I've, I've heard many people use this verse as a quote or a life verse for their family. You know what's interesting about life verses when you share your life verse with someone? Here's what's interesting. You more than likely know this. How many of you have a life verse? You should have one. Whatever. Okay, but here's what happens if you have a life verse and you tell someone about it. You know what happens when they hear your life verse? I, I believe. People are going to watch to see if you're living out your life verse. And a lot of people use this verse, but I don't know why. You know, I think sometimes we, we use a verse like this, or people use a verse like this, because we want to look spiritual. We want to look like we're wholly committed to God. Now, I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. But be careful. Here's the verse. Now, now, keep in mind what has happened here. They're in the promised land. There's a lot of influences where they live. Man, America, I don't know what's going to happen to America. Yeah, I won't give you my thoughts. But I'm excited. But nonetheless, check out verse 15 of Joshua 24. And here's what Joshua wrote. And, it seem, and if it seems evil to you to serve the Lord, choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the river, or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you dwell. Let me stop there for a moment. We live in a country Unlike any other country. It's a good country, don't get me wrong. It's the best country in the world, I believe. But with it being best, there's a lot of temptations that come against the believer. Because we're tempted to buy into simply pursuing the pleasures of this life. There's nothing wrong with that, but there's a lot of care that needs to be taken. Because we are to live a separated life. And we can get influenced, right? Here's, I, I use an illustration. 
earlier in the first service. And that is, it's going to be another one of my silly illustrations. Okay? But we can get tempted. And bigger is better. Right? I was just talking to a friend of mine. He was telling me he was getting a new TV delivered to his house. And I go, how big is it? He goes, dudes, it's an 85-inch TV. And immediately, yeah, oh, wow. And immediately I, I chuckled. And I go like, how big of a TV do you need? But you see, I, I, I identified with him because at my house, at one time we had a 55-inch TV. And I told my wife, you know what, we need a bigger TV. Bigger is better. Well, do I need a bigger TV? It's only really... It says it's like 55 to 65, 10 inches, but it's not really that much bigger. And so we bought it, right? Took the 55-inch TV that was over our fireplace and put that one in the bedroom, put the other big one there. And because we have a smaller living room, this thing stood out like a sore thumb. <laughs> now, from a guy's perspective is, yeah! This is it. Get the sound bar, surround sound, boom, we're in. IMAX to the max. Right? And my wife says, it does not fit with the decor. It's ugly. I go, you don't get it. It's all right. It's gay, honey. Yeah. So, you know, and then later, you know, you just kind of go like, really? How big of a TV do I really need? And I started looking at it, and I'm going like, yeah, it looks like some god is up there. It's overwhelming. And, you know, decorative, you know, just looking at it, I go, it's ugly. So we got rid of it, got a 50-inch TV. Went from 65, 55, 65 to 50. It's smaller, it's nice, it fits. It's one of those that has the picture on it, you know. It's really cool. It sits flat on the wall. It's just like awesome, right? So I put one of the 55-inch TVs. I don't know why I'm telling you about my TVs. <laughs> Getting to the point, okay? So check this out. So I put the 55-inch away, and I put the 65-inch in the bedroom. Dang, it looks like we're at the drive-in movie. It does look like IMAX. Right? I mean, we don't even need an lamp, so you turn the TV on, lights up the whole room. The whole neighborhood knows. <laughs> anyway, here's my point. Here's the point. Silly as it might be, but I hope it resonates. We can get caught up in something we think is pleasurable, and we're not content with just Jesus Christ and His Word. We need more. We need better. We need a bigger church. We need this. We need that. Do we really? Is not Jesus our contentment? Is not the Word of God to navigate through life enough? You see, so subtly we get caught up. I'm not saying that's wrong. If you can get an 85-inch TV and fit it in your house, go for it. You know, like, whatever. You might, if you do that, get the best sound bar you can get and just blast everything out. But, but you see, what, what I'm saying is, 
we can, if those little material things can distract us, how quickly can compromise begin to set in? I'm not saying that that's a case, but apparently Joshua was saying, hey, listen, I understand the influences, and where are you going to find happiness? You see, Jesus Christ was coming and he's saying, hey, listen, if you're thirsty for something, if you're not happy, I'm the guy. He wouldn't say it like that. He's obviously said it different. But in our vernacular here, the way we look at it, I'm the, he's the guy. He's the one. Nothing else. No big TV, no fancy car, nothing other than him. He's the one. Joshua understood that, and he goes on, but as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Now, now that wasn't the first time that people had to make a choice. It wasn't the first time that their opinions or their thoughts or, or what they were doing would be challenged. The second time that they would be challenged to make the right decision was in a place called Mount Carmel, where there was this great prophet if you ever, haven't ever read the story, you need to read the story. It's found in 1 Kings chapter 18. But I'm only going to read to you out of verse 21, or from verse 21. And there was this big gathering and, and all of that. It's really an incredible story. But my point is, Josh, I mean, uh, Elijah also tells the people, hey, listen, you need to choose who you're going to follow. You need to make a choice what you're going to do about whom you make your God. And there in, in, in 1 Kings 18, 21, it reads like this. And Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? Oh, that really catches me. How long are you going to be wavering? When are you going to make up your mind and it's all about him. And this reminds me of what Jesus said. And I heard this uh, in a teaching just this morning. Where Jesus said, hey, if you desire to follow me, you need to take up your cross daily, deny yourself, and follow me. That means you need to decide whether you're going to follow my instructions or you're going to do what your little heart desires. So Elijah is saying, hey, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, then follow Him. But if Baal, a pagan God, is whom you want to follow, then follow Him. But you can't follow both. You're either going to follow one or you're going to follow the other. You need to choose who you're going to follow. But here's the sad commentary as you read there in that verse. The people answered him not a word. So it's obvious that we need on occasion that reminder, that encouragement to make a choice about whom we will follow and how Will we follow? The question is, are we willing to follow? 
Are we willing to follow? Well, given that it's revealed to us the blessings of following God, why wouldn't we want to follow God? Because in the end, all things do work together for good. There is a hope and a promise. There's satisfaction. But Satan's so smart, he presents another way. He presents another choice. In fact, Jesus even warns us of that in John 10.10. He says, you want a satisfied life? Follow me. That's why I came. So you would be full of all that God has for you. But he says, at the same time, you need to understand, though, there's someone wants to rip you off of the satisfaction that you can receive if you will submit to me. In John 10.10, 10, I'm going to read it, to you from, read it to us from the New Living Translation. Here's how it reads. The thief's purpose, being Satan, or this world, we could even say, our enemy is the things of this world. I'm going to clarify that in just a moment. It's the pleasures of sin in this world. So Jesus says the thief's purpose is to steal and to kill and destroy. But my purpose is to give people a rich and satisfying life. A full life. A content life. Not monetarily, but an abundant life in Him. I'm at peace. Hopefully you're at peace. I'm at peace with everything that's going on in my life. I may not enjoy it. I mean, let's face it. Some things are not enjoyable, but I am at peace knowing that my God, your God, our God, if He's your Savior, He's not going to leave you nor forsake you, and He will supply all you need so that you can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. Even in that, we need to understand that in the midst of a trial, you can make it through because no trial has come upon you that is not common to all men, but God has made a way of escape through Jesus Christ, through His Word. You see, sometimes I think the American Christian are a bunch of wimps, including myself. Oh, now it's getting to... I shouldn't do it like that. It's getting too difficult. I can't take it. I'm being tested. I don't know if I can do it. Well, you can't do it in and of your own strength. That's why Jesus earlier said, I'm speaking about the Holy Spirit who has promised to everyone once I've been glorified. Sometimes we don't get a clear understanding of the strength and the power and the promises of God through His Word. We want it easy. We want it comfortable. After all, this is America. Don't get so fanatical. That's why some Christians don't have victory in their lives because they don't embrace what is revealed here. We want it easy all the time. Well, who doesn't? Who doesn't? I'm not yelling at us. I'm just hopefully bringing a reminder to us. Hey, there's a plan. It's a good plan. But sometimes we can't make up our minds. Well, 
The illustration that we have of someone that understood and believed God was one that had it all, could have had it all, was rescued from being drowned in a river. All intents and purposes, it could have been, he could have said, my mom abandoned me. She put me in this little boat on a river. But thank God, Pharaoh's daughter found me. And he was raised up as a spoiled kid, if you will, if I can say it like that. Right? His name was whom? Moses. But notice what Moses did when he realized who he was and where his heritage came from. Notice what it tells us in Hebrews 11, 24 and 25. Here's how it reads. By faith, Moses, when he became of age, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the passing pleasures of sin. See, we need to make up our minds of where true satisfaction and fulfillment comes from. It doesn't come from this world because this world is passing away. We need to decide whether Jesus and His Word is enough for us to be satisfied in this life. There's that struggle. And we already read God's Word concerning the struggle. Choose this day whom you will follow. How long will you falter between two opinions? One was Moses. One was a prophet, Elijah. Now let's look at what the Savior says. What Jesus, the Son of God, says. Now to keep this in context, the passage I'm going to be quoting to us is about money. But nonetheless... It could also be understood as this world and the pleasures of this world. Here's what Jesus said in Luke 16, 13. No servant can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other. Or else he will be loyal to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Again, please do not misunderstand me. I'm not saying don't pursue a good career, don't enjoy the blessings that God has given you, but make sure that whatever He's given you, that you give Him all the credit and you live for Him. And if all of what He has given to you is taken away from you, will you still worship Him? See, that's where this is so important for us that we would not have a double mind. That we would not have a divided heart. You see, a divided mind is to have a divided heart. In fact, James says, don't expect to receive anything from God if you have a double mind. And I think that sometimes we can have that double mind. Some of you, possibly, I'm not, I just want to put this out there. Some of you might be saying, I can't live up to what you just said, Pastor Jim. You're right, you can't, neither can I. In my own strength, 
But if I allow the Holy Spirit to guide me, to refine me, to continually move and sanctify me, and give me true understanding of where satisfaction can be found, then I can do it. Going back to what Paul says, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I can be content whether I'm well off or if I'm poor. I can be content whether I'm not having any opposition or persecution, but I can also be content in knowing that I'm in the will of God because of the sufferings that I experience for the sake of Jesus Christ. Now you might be saying things, the sufferings, well, how does that play out? Maybe having to give up some things that you are making your God or are distracting you from God. Only you know. So how do we get there? How can, how can we do this? What's, how, help me, Pastor Jimmy. Help me to understand how do I do this? Because like, sounds ideal. I want to be that ideal Christian. But how do I get there? Well, listen to the Master. Listen to your Savior. Because He's got all the building blocks, if I can say it like that. Building blocks. What are the building blocks? Well, I'll let Jesus speak to us. Matthew 7, 24 through 27, my life verses. A reminder. And the first verses are the ones by which I've lived my life since the moment I received Jesus Christ into my heart. Matthew 7, 24. Therefore, whoever hears these sayings of mine and does them, I will liken him to a wise man who built his house on the rock. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it did not fall, for it was founded on the rock. But whoever hears these sayings of mine and does not do them will be likened like a foolish man who built his house on the sand. And the rain descended, the floods came, and the winds blew and beat on that house, and it fell, and great was its fall. See, where are we? We need to make up our mind what I'm going to do with the words of God. We need to be at a place where I can say, I don't want to have a divided heart or a divided mind. We need to come to that place of understanding something that King David understood. We know David, he messed up, right? How many of you know the story of King David? He was an adulterer and a murderer. And he repented. And he was content. He wanted to see something incredible for God. And God said, like, no way, David. Too much blood on your hands. You messed up. Your son will do it, but you won't. But he ended up being content and lacking nothing in his heart. And that's where our scripture reading comes in. So, Danny, why don't you come out? You're going to read with me. 
All right? And here's the scripture reading, and we'll close with this. Once we close the scripture reading, then we will receive communion. So why don't you stand for the scripture reading? And hopefully I shared with you that that's why uh, the reason I changed the scripture reading is because we need to be at the place that David is expressing here. I will read the uh, odd-numbered verses. You will read the even-numbered verses as you read. You've heard, this, you've heard this psalm before. It's in the Psalms, Psalms 23. Okay, Psalms 23. I'll be reading odd, you'll be reading even. Ready? Here we go. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside the still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup runs over. Surely... Goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Father, we come before you and help us. We don't have a desire to have a divided heart. Help us to make up our minds, Father God, that we will make it our intent with intensity to follow you. Because when we follow you, Father God, we will have no lack, as the psalmist wrote. We will have everything that we need. Our cups will be full. And so, Father, again, thank you. And as we prepare our hearts now to receive communion, touch our hearts, we, as you have been doing, If there's someone with us this morning, Father God, that's not born again, would you touch their heart and that this morning they would receive Jesus Christ as their Savior. So, Father, again, we come before you and we thank you for your blessings. And we do so in Jesus' name. And we all agree by saying, now before I have the pastors and the ushers service, if you're with us this morning and God's been speaking to you, whether it was this morning, something you heard, or something that someone else has shared with you, and um, you've come to that place of saying, my heart's empty. I need Jesus. I desire Jesus. I want my sins forgiven. If that describes you, and you're all right with doing that publicly, I would just ask you, you might just raise your hand up really high where I can see it, wave it around, and we'd love to, I'd love to lead you in a prayer to invite Jesus Christ into your heart. Anyone at all? Okay. Um, it, I would guess all of you are born again. If you're not, I would ask or suggest you not to receive the bread and the drink because this is uh, for those of us that are born again and we celebrate and, and in remembrance of what Jesus does. So they're going to lead us in a song. Pastors, along with the ushers, are going to come forward. They're going to uh, dispense or 
uh, distribute the elements to us. Please wait till we are all served, then we'll partake together.